Welcome to Q&A, A Deeper Dive with Sam Holm and other guests as we dig deeper into the sermon content each week. Hey, I'm Mark, and so last episode we were talking, Sam and I, and, and I mentioned just as we were leaving that we might do a whole thing on prophecy, and we actually got in a question or two specifically about prophecy. So we thought we'd stop, because uh, both of us are kind of traveling this summer, so we've been in and out, and we got a chance to just sit down and let's talk about prophecy and kind of answer all that. And uh, so welcome, Sam. Thank you. Th- welcome, Mark. Yes, 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 welcome. And we have Andrew recording for us, as always. But uh, I just wanted to spend this episode, so to set some groundwork, we've been in Daniel, uh, if you've been following us, and again, if you want to listen to any of the Daniel sermons, uh, go to firstmckinney.com slash on demand. And as you're traveling this summer, be sure to like and subscribe this, and I would encourage you to subscribe, because as these episodes pop in and out again, we're traveling all summer, so we apologize for those faithful that have been tuned in with us each week, but we've been traveling a little, uh, trying to make all of our schedules, our calendars fit together. Um, And so we were able to sit down. We're going to do this and talk about prophecy. Um, But Daniel, the last, I guess, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, Mm -hmm. those those chapters are a lot of prophetic uh, things. There's some stuff in Daniel at the first with the statue and all that, chapter 2. And we were just looking the other day at chapter 9, and all that was going on. And as we talked about the 70 times 7, there's a bunch of terms in there. But as we turned off the microphones, you started talking about millennialism. And that's kind of the start. Did I say, you're laughing at me. Did I say that wrong? Yeah, the millennial reign of Christ. Yes, which is where millennialism comes from. And I am a newbie. I'm going to declare that. You've studied a lot more on this, and, and we both have seminary degrees, but you've studied much more on this as you've looked through Daniel. But talk me through, you said the kind of the basing, you can tell someone where they stand in prophecy and all that based off the millennial reign of Christ. So talk through that. Yes. So first I want to just backstep on something you said. Uh-oh. I do not pretend to be an expert. No, 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 no. Um, yes. It is fascinating for me to study. It's the blind I, leading the blind, as yes, my dad said. But, yes. Yeah. So when you look at biblical prophecy a starting point on where do you move on so many of the passages is what is the millennial reign of Christ referring to? Revelation, uh, six different times, tells us that Jesus will reign for a thousand years. What does that mean? Uh, So let me just start from that point and say, here are some options. First option is what is called amillennialism, which believes the millennial reign of Christ is figurative and referring to the time of the church, because Christ, through the cross, has won the battle over sin. Uh, the war is determined, right? Who's gonna? The the end is known now, and so through the church the Holy Spirit and dwelling believers, he's doing greater works, he said, not in in quality, but in quantity through believers' lives. So Christ is reigning through the church, and I believe on some level that is true. That was the prominent position of the church for the first thousand years, uh, that we were, most people thought that's referring to what's happening now. Well, then a thousand years pass, and then a thousand thirty passes, and 
that's when people thought he died, and then 1033, maybe what? And so then as it continued forward, people were like, okay, well, if the millennial reign of Christ was referring to the church, uh, can this still be the case now that a thousand years have passed? Uh, many still hold to that, saying a day is a thousand years, a thousand years a day. The scripture even says that God's thousands are different than maybe ours, and so what does that look like? Well, we were just in 70 years, seven weeks, yes. all that kind of stuff. So yes, it, it's confusing. Yeah, and so I actually have gone in and out of leaning some in my own life away from my current stance, which I'll tell you all that direction as I study it, because it's fascinating to me, and I think there are many in the history of the church that love Jesus and walk with Him closer than I do that fall there, and that that to me means something. So... I, though, by nature, uh, lean towards a more literal interpretation of prophecy because I see prophecy playing out literally. And that leads to there are two primary, for those that believe in a pre-trib rapture, there are two primary positions for what is called, there is a dispensational pre-millennial position, and then there is a historic pre-millennial position. Use this to impress your friends wow, no. at the next dinner party. This is more than you want to know. In fact, I'm sure you were wanting me to go faster. If you're if you're uh, already about to turn off the podcast, you need to know that the point of prophecy is God is in control, yeah, and we can trust Him. And so well, this is the weeds that we're getting into, but it's well, this is the de- I think it's deeper important, dive. and that's yeah. why we're doing this. Yeah, this is the deeper so dispensational premillennialist. Yes. So a dispensationalist is someone who believes, which this is also true in Scripture, but they'll take it to a full extreme, and I'll get to in a point uh, in a moment. They believe that God has related to people differently throughout the history of the world at different times, and that's true. He walked and talked with his people in the garden. He talked to his people directly on a mountain, right, uh, through the Ten Commandments, and he led them through the—he, through the prophets, was a voice to his people. He now has communicated to us through the Word of God that we hold in our hands. He was speaking to people directly through his son Jesus at a point in time. So there are different— dispensational time periods that God is related to his people differently. Now, people who are consider themselves dispensationalists usually take that also all the way to believe that in the end time, God is going to give the people of Israel another specific dispensation to come to know him and believe in him. And most of those people think that the millennial reign of Christ is actually Jesus reigning as king over Israel as the promised Messiah for a thousand years. Now, the whole world will be blessed because he's a perfect king, but Israel will have a unique position. Okay, let me call time out for a minute. Yeah. Because you said something, and I want to make sure you get it in this podcast. Okay, yeah. I And help me, Israel is not the United States. <laughs> Good call, yes. So a lot of people, when they read the Old Testament— see the language around the kingdom of Israel and God working through his people, and then you immediately take it, which would be natural, into the current kingdom you live in now and the people that you are part of now, and God calls others aliens and the outsiders, even though he calls us to love them and do supernatural. Yes, the the Gentiles and the outsiders. And so, uh, understandably so, but in a dangerous way, 
many people then take that and they read it into their own nation. And this happened throughout the history of the world. It's happening right now for many in the United States where we directly relate the promises to Israel, and we think that means those are promises to us in the United States. And that is a dangerous step because God was relating to Israel in a unique way because through his people, he was bringing about the promised Messiah. He was uh, was choosing a people to bring about a Savior for the world. And we don't believe, as American Christians, that he's bringing a new Messiah through the United States. So we need to be very careful how much we connect those dots. Okay, back to dispensationalists. And you were talking about Israel, and yeah. Uh, yeah. The, so that that's that that was the uh, dis uh, the, okay. I got the you pre, lost. Sorry. Yeah, the the dispensational premillennialist is the one that believes the millennium is going to relate specific to Jesus reigning over Israel and Israel being in a unique position of power during that time. The historic premillennialist, not the dispensational premillennialist, believes that the promises of God that are given to the people in the Old Testament have now been transferred to the church in the New Testament, and that the church in the New Testament is all of those who place their faith in Christ, and that we as Christians, as followers of Christ, are not going to be better than everybody else or whatever, but we are welcomed into that new kingdom in a unique way in the end because of our relationship by grace through faith in Christ. Not what we have done, it's what He has done, but we have received, submitted our life by grace through faith in Christ. If right now you were to force me, and I didn't even talk about the, that's the premillennialist. There's also a postmillennial that believes the rapture will happen post-tribulation. There's people that believe that also, but I don't want to, I feel like I've already gotten the weeds enough. I, if you force me, I would fall right now in the historic premillennial position. I believe that the church receives now the promises of God primary in the Old Testament. I do believe that the people of Israel are given a unique position through uh, Romans 9, 10, and 11, where we were there a few few years ago, but not the millennial reign position, that, that Christ is going to welcome all believers into that, that position. Yeah. I do think there is wisdom, though, just to hear that, if, if you made it through all that. <laughs> if you made it through, it's yeah, It's back wow. like our math in the last episode, we were talking about that. But um, uh, there is some wisdom, because what I heard you say is you believed one way, you studied you believe another other people have have spoken into that kind of that that you're open. So I would encourage you, whatever you're listening to, uh, whoever you're listening to, if you're listening to this, be open to God working in your life. Yeah, and I actually learn more, frankly, from people that have differing positions on stuff like this in the end because it grows me, it stretches me, helps me see things I'm not seeing. And I know we won't be in Daniel for much longer, but we do encourage questions, and I say it every time, but you can text the word question 96123. Hopefully we'll get to that. We're even answering some questions today that came in throughout this series they've come in, and we're trying to answer, take a moment and not focus on one specific chapter, but focus more on the prophecy side. If you want to dive deeper there, I gave you all a dive deeper option. Uh, there's a book out called The Millennial Maze. It's been out for probably 20 plus years now, but it's it's a great resource to just jump into that because you really, if you're really trying to deep dive and get uh, real specific on biblical prophecy, you have to figure out where you fall. And then also, like you just said, and like we, I will say over and over again, you can't think you're right and everyone else is wrong because there are many people that love Jesus that have fallen in different places. So 
so to say it back to you again, I said I was the newbie to all this. Yeah. You kind of have to figure that out right. to how you interpret the other stuff. Yes. That you get into Revelation. Uh, so what are some of the books of prophecy in the Bible? Well, Daniel is a primary one. Revelation is a primary one. Jesus on the Olivet Discourse, uh, he talks about it. Uh, you can go to Second Thessalonians. Paul talks a lot about the Antichrist and others. Uh, so yeah, it's all over kind of interwoven in Scripture, but those are the primaries. Okay, so um, a, a question came in, and mm-hmm. it was, I think, last week, maybe the week before. But um, will Sam discuss how believers should live during this time before Christ returns? So let's get a specific question. And another, another came in, in light of the prophecy we've already studied, or mm-hmm. you might study somewhere else in Revelation because we haven't done that book yet. How should Christians live? Yeah. So... Uh, Jesus says, "Go to the mountains, run to the run for the hills." Now, some people say that's when the Jerusalem was about to be destroyed. That's when they should head for the hills. Do you know what the largest mountain in America is? Uh, tell me, it's Mount Whitney. I was studying it actually last night. We were having a discussion. <laughs> largest one in Texas is Mount Guadalupe. Guadalupe, yes, there you go. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I thought it was Mount Rainier. Well, in the United States, is Denali. I need to correct myself. The lower forty-eight. Yeah, I thought it was Mount Rainier, and I was proven wrong. In, a, in my small group yep. of all places. Yep. But, there yeah. you go. Anyways. So it's actually it's sobering. I mean, he, he, he talks about, and again, how much is this prophecy is relating to when Jerusalem would fall versus the end times? There's debate on this too. He, woe to the pregnant mothers because there's going to be a lot of suffering. It is going to be a time of suffering. However, the primary call is not to f- run from, but it's the call to do what he has called us to do throughout, which is to live faithfully as followers of Christ and be a light, because there will be people that come to faith in Jesus during the tribulation. Even if there's not a pre-trib rapture, right, and we're around for it, we shouldn't just turn tail and run, I believe. We should use our lives to be a light into the world for Christ. And so it doesn't change what the Bible says. It should amplify what the Bible says. The, the, the commands that we have in Scripture don't go away uh, during the time of tribulation. They should be more alive for us and more pressing for us in view of the fact that Jesus is going to come back and those who do not know him will be separated from him for eternity. So I love what she's asking. Uh, I do believe uh, that it should be sobering, and I, I believe it should be motivating. Uh, it should motivate us to do what God has called us to do. Uh, a few weeks ago, I think we talked about it this way, that we prepare for the second coming by responding to his first coming and doing what he called us to do when he was here, go and make disciples. I know we were in a room about a week ago talking, Ryan's going to be preaching coming up on chapter 12 of Daniel. Yes. And we were even in light of that, okay, we've made it through Daniel. Mm-hmm. We've, we've walked the book. We were joking about standing up there and closing the book because it says, shut up the book. <laughs> um, but we're talking about it. In the end, the truth is, no matter where you stand, God is in control. Yep. And that's what I think the Bible project, which you and I turn to for videos and stuff, mm-hmm. says it says as well. I'm trying to find my notes to say, there for all of Daniel... For the prophecies, there's pattern and promise, and the pattern is human beings become beasts, and they don't acknowledge God's kingdom, and the promise is that God will confront the beast and rescue the world. That's right. You know? He's going to make all things right in the end. There, we're going to have a lot of problems because 
the, the, we have an enemy, the adversary, and, and he's attacking and working in and through our lives. There's going to be extreme versions of that through Antichrist figures uh, in our past and present future. But the, the end is, guess what? Yeah, God's going to confront the beast and rescue the world. And it is super confusing. Yeah. Uh, just to acknowledge, reading some of this, and I joked the last episode about horns and, and all sorts of stuff, and leopards and lions and beasts and goats eating or rams eating goats and or whatever it was. But uh, just saying all that, but in the end, God is in control, and how do we live in light of it? Yeah. We do what God's told us to do. Yeah. So, so a few more things that now we're talking about prophecy, a few more things that people have had questions about. Actually, after one of my sermons, I went to the response room, and someone said, you said rapture. What is rapture? Well, let me do this. Yep. Okay, because yep. you're, you're going there. Yeah. Just I made a list of things. Okay, good. And you give us some quick definitions. Don't good. don't go into a lot of detail just to help the person that's the newbie out there listening yeah. to prophecy. Yeah. Um, okay, let's start with rapture. What is the rapture? Yeah, the rapture is so the Bible refers to and used actually the word that would be the word that was used at their point in time when a people in the city would leave the city to meet an incoming king. It uses that word to refer to what the church will do when Jesus comes back. And people, some believe the rapture will happen before the seven years of tribulation. Some people believe it will happen at the end. We also know there will be a bodily resurrection. Some people separate that from the rapture. Some people put it together as the same thing of, is of the rapture. Okay, yeah. so we're going back to meet the king, Armageddon. Mm -hmm. What yes. is Armageddon? So Armageddon is the final battle that will happen in the end. It will be in the Middle East, or at least it will be centered in the Middle East. Uh, the, our, the great Antichrist figure will be central in it, but the, the nations of the world will fight each other. Jesus will show up on a white horse, and he will win. Okay, Antichrist. You just mentioned it. What is the Antichrist? Yeah. So if you want to go back, if you missed uh, the sermon on German, on, on uh, you spoke in German. No, I did not. Okay. My, my grandfather would preach in German, but no, sorry. My uh, if you missed the sermon on Daniel eight and Daniel seven, you can go back because there's a lot of prophecy in Daniel around the Antichrist, and we're going to see some of it also coming up over the next few weeks as we end Daniel. But the Antichrist is a figure that, in the end, most of the people referring to the Antichrist are referring there. However, John tells us there are many Antichrist figures. Jesus, when he was being tried, said that he was the person trying was being controlled by the Antichrist. Uh, so I, I don't believe there was only one Antichrist figure. But the Antichrist is usually the figure in the end times that we believe is going to be in power during the tribulation period. It looks like there'll be ten nations uh, that will be... Uh, primary in the world. Three will be overtaken by the Antichrist figure. There will be a rebuilding of the temple, and then half the way through the seven-year tribulation period, he will erect some form of an idol that will be the abomination of desolation in the middle of the temple. And then the last period of tribulation, he's going to make terrible. It will be the great tribulation the world, uh, the scripture refers to it, as he tortures the saints, the believers in, in Jesus during that time, even demands worship of himself. Okay, you said a couple words in there. That sound like superheroes, yeah. but abomination of desolation. Yeah. What is that? Abomination of desolation. Uh, Revel um, yeah, uh, Revelation refers to Daniel talks about Jesus on the Olivet Discord talks talks about. It's some form of an idol placed in the temple, uh, in which the 
the sacrifices that were normally being offered are going to be desecrated, and it's going to be an abomination to God and those who follow God. We know it has happened, actually, in the history of the world several times. It happened during when Antiochus, which we talked about him during the Sermon of Romans chapter 8, a ruler that happened before Jesus, but Jesus also refers to it as a future event. We believe it also happened when Titus destroyed the temple in 70 AD, and we believe it's going to happen in an even more extreme way in the end. Okay, more terms, judgment seat of Christ. Yeah. So there's a judge. There's two judgments referred to in the Bible. There's the white throne judgment where God will judge the sins of man, and uh, he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. There's also the Bema seat of Christ, or the judgment seat of Christ, that's referred to in the New Testament, where believers will appear before Jesus, and anything that we have done in the past that was not uh, really through His power and strength, that was not really something that was unar- that wasn't done through the power of the Holy Spirit for His glory, those things are going to be burned away. The things we have done, He's going to reward, and He'll give actually believers crowns that we'll use in worship in response to Him. For eternity, so he's actually going to reward what we have done, empowered by the Holy Spirit for His glory and His purposes. And I know there's several uh, things like I was seeing in Daniel as we were studying. Horns usually refer to kings. There's there's some as you get into some of this prophetic writing that you start to understand some of the symbolism. Uh, and we don't want to delve into all of that. We're already way in the weeds with this, way more than we wanted to be. But talk about I know a number that's common. We had the 77s, and I would encourage you to go listen to our thing on chapter 9 and kind of that perfect number of 70 times 7 and all that. Or that was forgiveness, but you know what I'm saying. But another number that comes up a lot, 144,000. I believe it's in Revelation somewhere. Uh, Talk a little bit. You don't have to give a, a view on that, just more talk what they're referring to. So uh, there are different views on what they're referring to. Uh, so in, uh, in Revelation chapter 7, uh, there are 144,000, it looks like, of Israel that will be sealed. Uh, what does that mean? Some see those 144,000 as the total number of believers that will be with God in heaven, and I don't think that's the case. There's every tribe, every tongue, uh, the other nations that will be gathered that are also referred to in Revelation. Some believe it's 144,000 witnesses that are going to be sharing the gospel during the time of tribulation. Some believe it will be just 144,000 that will believe in Jesus during the revelation. Some believe it's 144,000 Israelites that are come to believe in Jesus, period, in the end. Some believe it's 144,000 witnesses that are Jews in the end. So there are a whole so whole lot of different views of who they are. But we do know that they're a special group of people that have a special relationship in the end that are sealed uh, for eternity. Okay. Thank you for the quick, quick definition. Well, that wasn't fast enough. No, that was plenty fast. That was good. You okay. did good for okay. saying that was really good. I'm just wow. Yeah. I'm just going, need to ask forgiveness. Uh, what? How many times was it? 70, 70 times, times 7. Okay, exactly. <laughs> um, but... Uh, talking a little bit about this, what I found cool as we studied Daniel and looked how it connected, you know, he was reading Jeremiah, and then you go to the Olivet Discourse, and Jesus is quoting Daniel, how the Bible all fits together. The two big books of prophecy you said, and there's places otherwise, but Daniel and Revelation, how did those fit together? Yeah, so there's a lot of overlap. Uh, Some skeptics who don't believe the Bible is true and supernatural actually think Revelation was an 
uh, not explanation, expanding on the book of Daniel, because you see so much in the book of Daniel that that revelation, I would believe and say, confirms and even affirms is not just something that's happened in the past, but that there are double fulfillments of these prophecies and there's a coming end that we're looking forward to. Um, so I, I believe they work together beautifully. I don't believe Scripture conflicts with itself. Uh, I believe when you have two witnesses in a court of law that are, are sharing the same story but with different angles, uh, that actually affirms that what they're saying is true. I think the same is true in Scripture, just like we see in the Gospels, and we see different perspectives on the story of Jesus coming, but not in a way that conflicts. It's a way that brings new light uh, to what we see as true. Okay, so this was way heavy on all the m- many words you hear in the in the Bible. Almost mm. a prophecy for dummies. Uh, maybe we call that the title of this episode: "Prophecy for Dummies." And I'm the dummy here. <laughs> Me too, for the record. We all have to dig into this and learn. Uh, and there's a lot of opinions, and we don't. You've you've shared some of yours, but really, I would say we encourage you to go study it. Go study uh, some trusted teachers. And kind of look at what they're saying and and make your choice. But really, in the end, and, and we'll kind of end on this thought. You can take as long as you want on this, but why study prophecy? So I believe that prophecy is an incredible gift from God. One, it shows us the supernatural power of the book that we have in front of us. We have a book that is not man-made. It was inspired by God. There's no other explanation for the prophecies that we have that we... Again, Daniel through the Dead Sea Scrolls. We have 2nd century B.C. carbon-dated books of Daniel from the Dead Sea Scrolls, and it prophesies to the year when the Messiah will show up, right? Uh, that you you can't explain the book we have apart from God being part of it. So studying prophecy for me elevates my view of Scripture and how powerful it is. It, it gives me a greater respect for the book that I hold in my hand and get to read and study and learn more about. Second thing is I think it's motivating. I think it's a reminder for us that uh, we have a God who is in control, right? He's in control of who is in control, and He is in control of what is happening now and what will happen in the end. And the way He's chosen to work this all about all out is His plan A is the church, and He has told us to be part of it, bringing the gospel to the world, and then the end will come. And so it's super motivating for us as followers of Christ to study prophecy. And then finally, uh, it, it removes in my life in seasons of pain, panic. Uh, again, it doesn't take pain away. It pro- prophecy includes a lot of pain. Prophecy tells us that pain will come, but it also tells us that all in the end, all tears are going to be wiped away, that, that He, a God who loves us, the Ancient of Days, you can go back and look at just the power and the beauty of what we see in chapter 7, that there is a Son of Man who's going to reign forever, and Jesus said, He's Him, the one who came on the clouds, right, and a beautiful, wonderful judge that loves us and that we get to be with forever, and so it, it removes panic during times of chaos, like Daniel was experiencing in exile. Uh, when we are in tough times, knowing that those tough times will end, it's incredibly life-giving. So that's that. I think those are three reasons. Not all the reasons. Those are three reasons. No, say. and I, I think chapter 12 of Daniel sums it up well. 
you know, uh, and I don't know if you've heard Ryan's sermon, not or yet when you're listening to this, but just that again, he's in control and Daniel's sitting there going, but are we there yet? When, you know, we were joking about being in a car ride with kids. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we at the end times? Because you hear that so much, even with what's going on in our culture now. Yeah. Are we at the end times? Is this the tribulation? Yeah. Are we close to the rapture? All the terms you just said, pre-millennials, post-millennials. And in the end, God is in control. Mm. And he is a sovereign God. And that's hard to hear sometimes, that he's a sovereign God. Um, when the going is tough, it's really hard to hear. Um, but he is a sovereign God, and he is in control. And and we need to trust him. That's right. That's right. Good words, Mark. Good words. Do you want to close us today? Oh, I get to close. Yeah. I never get to close. Well, it's been it's been an awesome time to just pause and kind of look at the prophecy stuff we've done. I know going in, our next series coming up sermon-wise is actually Go Love Your Neighbor. And that's we were looking about what does God tell us to do in the end of Daniel is go. Yeah, go. Go love your neighbor. Uh, go tell them about Jesus because— uh, the end times say it's not going to happen until every tribe is heard, every tongue, all that. Well, you're a part of that. That's right. You're a part of that. What have you done today to tell someone about Jesus? That's how I would end this. Thank you for joining us this week on Q&A at Deeper Dive. We hope you'll like, subscribe, and share this podcast along with others. You can submit your questions by texting QUESTION to 96123, and we'll discuss those each week. Again, thank you for joining us.